What is good? It's me, your friendly neighborhood nerd, the Bobo, and welcome back to another episode of Bobo's Block. I'm here. Um, if you guys are joining me for the first time, I want to thank you guys for taking your time out and coming down to this little block party that we have each and every week. If this is your fifth, sixth, seventeenth, twentieth time, what up, dog? It's been good to see you again, and I'm ready to go ahead and talk to you guys about what's been going on. Um, <clears throat> man, yeah, it's been a Kind of a weird week. It's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. But, um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into it. First, I want to give a shout-out to my Patreon. Um, that's where you can do the most good for this show. The most support goes to my people out there who are on the Patreon campaign. Um, you can follow me there at patreon.com forward slash Bobo. That's patreon.com forward slash B-O-B-B-O. And, of course, um, we have a tier starting from like a dollar up to about $35. You can go ahead and sign up for a monthly donation as it now help go all the way back into the show you guys don't have to worry about any money being any money being misconstrued or so because yeah we will be using it for studio time and equipment and things like that but um <clears throat> if you're already a patron thank you for tuning in and thank you for continuing to support the block all right so today um we have a couple things that we're going to get into but uh, i want to go ahead and firstly let you guys know that this is going to be not a heavy topic but it's going to be a very in-depth topic so kind of prepare yourself for that a little bit later um our weekend update is going up first so of course um i always tell you guys what's going around town and what i've been up to around town i went to a lecture series last friday um held by the artist series in um florida state college of jacksonville or fsej um they had Vera grosset the art director for tiger lily come out and talk to us he's a local um, graphic designer, but he's so much more. He's a graphic designer, a tech startup um, entrepreneur. He runs Wolf and Cub downtown with his wife. They, he does a lot of things, and he kind of dropped his wisdom on us and kind of led us into his um, into his past and into how he gets things done. Um, he was one of the biggest, well, one of the um, original creators of One Spark. If you guys have heard of One Spark from here in Jacksonville, Florida, it is a huge tech um and entrepreneurial fair that used to happen um it's a lot of things going on with it and they kind of let it die off but he was the original um founding member in that original one spark crew and it did it so much for the city so um i'm glad i was able to get a chance to sit down and listen to what he had to say and kind of give give us a little bit of his give a little bit of his time okay um, also this weekend, I had a match come up. I had a little bit of a late booking, but I was able to get in there and start off right. Um, I went up against my, uh, <laughs> my rival at USCW's. Um, they had like an exhibition match for a Mud Brothers production. It was like out in, uh, out in, um, Grand Park area here in Jacksonville. I went up against the queen himself, Dashing Cam, and I took him on in a Jacksonville street fight. We went on, brought all the way out in the streets. Brought it back to the ring, and I uh, and I got the big W. Uh, it's been a long time coming for the Queenie boy. He, he's been getting on my nerves, and honestly, it felt good to take him down in the middle of that ring. So, if you guys want to catch me in my next match, I'll be back in Orlando, Florida, down there at the Team Visions Dojo, and I believe wrestling's, um, believe, 197, I want to say it is. If not, it's probably like 200 or something. Um, but, yeah, we will be getting it in in a fatal four-way tag match. I will be taking on a lot of people with my tag team partner. So, yeah, you guys can come down and check us out there. That will be the 
I want to say like the 4th of February. I'll double check those dates for you guys. And like I said, we'll be able to get you out there in Orlando to see me. Um, shout outs to the homies at Live from the 904 podcast. They were out there at the event on Saturday. And I got to get an interview in on their show. If you guys want to check out the interview, I'll be releasing that video in not too long from now. But of course, as you guys know, the Patreon gets it first. So the Patreons... Um, the Patreon fam, the Blockheads, you guys probably should already have that up in your your feed by the time this podcast comes out, okay? Um, I, I think it's about it for the updates or so. Um, I don't have any poetry events coming up. I don't have any um, open mics or anything that's on the, on the docket or so right now. But um, keep your ears out. We will be getting back into everything on February. So, so yeah, so be in tune for what's going on on the block, all right? Now, we shall be going... Around, Around the, the, net. the net. So, last night was a huge night in wrestling. Um, it was the Royal Rumble. And the Royal Rumble is always a big night because you get to see the past, present, and future of wrestling, or at least WWE's wrestling, come to a head and come out on this huge scale of a match. Um, the card itself was kind of stacked and it had a few few ups and a few downs or so on there. The the big matches that I really enjoyed were Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Um, I enjoyed The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan. And I definitely enjoyed the Men's Royal Rumble. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of like, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I'm going to go, well, I'm going to give spoilers, but I'm not going to give you results. Um, you guys can go ahead and check that out on the WWE Network or whatever. It's $9.99. You know the drills. Like, first, oh, dude. <laughs> Hit the mic. Sorry. First 30 days free, stuff like that. But went into the Men's Royal Rumble, and there were some big surprises here, man. Um, they also did a Women's Royal Rumble. You got to see the likes of like, Cancel Ray, Mia Yim coming out, Bianca Belair, who was putting in work and dominating every single person that she had in the ring with her. Um, Charlotte Flair was out there, and like I so said, a lot of the ladies, and so they didn't represent it. But the men's Royal Rumble, wow, it blew me away. So, firstly, at the number one position came Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar said that there's nobody who was able to take him out. Nobody who's ever on his level to challenge him. And he came out first, and he proved said that for, like, a good bit. It was him versus every single person that came out in that ring, and he eliminated every single one until it came down to Drew McIntyre. So we're going to set this up, really, because Brock was taking people out. And, like, he, took out th- he had 13 eliminations in total. 13 people he took out, and he was at the number one spot. And it came down to Kofi. Um, it came down to Rey Mysterio and Big E. He, he, if you guys know the history between him and Kofi, Kofi and him fought, last fought for Kofi's um, WWE Championship, which Brock won off of him in seven seconds. So we were all hyped to see this little bit of a rematch, and it did not disappoint. Kofi came out with a fury of fists and kicks and stuff like that, but it still wasn't enough. Then Rey Mysterio came out. Still wasn't enough. Big E came out. We thought, yeah, we got him. And still wasn't enough. So then Ricochet came out. He beat up Ricochet for a little bit. And then um, we <laughs> then we saw Drew McIntyre came out. And once Drew came out, it was kind of like a murder she wrote. Um, yeah, man, it, it was amazing. Drew McIntyre ended up winning the whole thing. But you had the likes of people like John Morrison came back. MVP came back. And you also had... A uh, very surprising return of the rated R superstar Edge. 
Um, if you guys don't know about Edge, when he was at his height, his peak, his pinnacle, he had a, a traumatic neck injury that took him away from wrestling for nine years. He hasn't been wrestling since 2011. And for him to be medically cleared and physically able to get back in the ring is such a such a heartwarming thing. Like It's one of the most anticipated comebacks besides CM Punk that people wanted to see. Because um, Daniel Bryan had the same issue. He had a neck injury. He couldn't wrestle. He was advised not to wrestle anymore. But he fought his way back from that neck injury to get back in the ring. And I think Edge saw that. He was like, well, damn, if he can do it, I can do it as well. So it was just a monumental thing to hear his theme music just hit because it's so iconic within um, like my generation of wrestling fans because all of it starts off with you think you know me and like the crowd went crazy um, you had a, you also had a good moment between him and Randy Orton they used to be a tag team called Rated RKO and with that tag team they went ahead and kind of like formed a small little alliance again so yeah I was super super hyped about that um, the Royal Rumble was overall a, a, a really good show. I was happy with all the results for who won. And things were a little bit predictable, but hey, that's what happens sometimes when you're a long, avid wrestling fan. You kind of can see things coming before the rest of the people can. So, um, if you guys do get a chance to check it out, go ahead and check out um, WWE Network. And you guys can either, if you have an account or sign up for one, you can check out the Royal Rumble, see all the highlights, see all of the crazy things um like you you had the return of a lot of long awaited superstars besides edge and things like that like naomi she finally came back off um the hiatus and she's returned to entering action happy to see naomi back in the in the fray um yeah so next up on the block it um we have a takeover so this weekend for the premiere of birds of prey they turned hollywood into harleywood and harleywood went went like amazingly um i had a couple of friends who are out there in la go out and check out harleywood it's beautiful dog it's like gotham come to life and it's all all harley quinned out so i'm really anticipating the release of the birds of prey movie because it seems like it's gonna be a amazing addition to the dc movie cinematic universe and i and i i hope they keep the same vibe or the same feel with it because the aesthetic is just like perfect so yeah, that that's that was what's going on like physically. Um, digitally, we had the the actual debut of a good old friend of ours, um, Captain Jean Luc Picard, got a new show on CBS All Access, and he is starring in the new Picard series, where it's kind of like him coming out of retirement. Um, the 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 premise of the show is kind of still in like the beginning of it or so, but Jean Luc. Is coming out, out of retirement for one last mission. He's told Starfleet to reinstate him. He was, has been living on his farm or his family's villa for like the longest. And yeah, man, it's 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 blends the old Star Trek lore with the new the new like timeline. I want to say, but yeah, I, I I'm excited to see where this this series goes. Um, again, that one's on another digital. Sp- service cbs all access it's in conjunction with their other star trek show um star trek discovery and it's probably around that same like time frame as star trek discovery so john luke has been retired and all that stuff like that um but you get the returns of so many people you get the returns of data you get the returns of 
of like um all of his old crew i know georgia laforge or, or lavar burton is in it so yeah and and we know that season two jean luke has, has personally asked Whoopi goldberg to come back and reprise her star trek um next generation role as well and that that was a heartfelt touching moment that i love to see out of shows like that so it's it's it's, it's, it's been a long time coming, and a lot of Star Trek fans have always said that John Luke is their favorite um, captain, and he's made so many appearances, but to get this kind of an in-depth personal view of his life, of where he is now, it's really good, dog, and I really am really excited to see where they go with it. Alright, and lastly on the block it, because um, this one's kind of like a short type um, deal for Around the Net. There's not much going on, but there's been like such of a heavy weight in the past day or so. Um, we learned yesterday morning there was a a terrible accident that happened that took the life of professional basketball player Kobe Bryant. Um, Kobe Bryant, if you guys like, I don't know how you don't know Kobe Bryant. If you if you're listening to this show, anybody could probably like anybody with a with internet access will probably know what's going on by now, but. Um, Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and a, and I believe um, a few of her teammates and some parents were in a plate, well, a helicopter crash out in Calabasas on um, Sunday morning. It's taken it's taken a lot out of people who were Kobe Bryant fans, who were Laker fans, but like it's taken a lot out of out of the culture as a whole because he was more of an iconic status. And then just in basketball, he was like a, he was a pop culture, um, pop culture icon and so much more than just a basketball player. He's done, um, numerous things with his life. And I don't think that if he were here, he would regret anything or, well, any, any decisions that he had made and he would want to have peace with what, what, what he's done or so. There are a lot of people who are in mourning, especially the city of Los Angeles right now. And there was even a cry or a, a, a suggested plea for them not to, to pay homage or mourn Kobe at the moment because the Grammys were going on yesterday. We'll get into the Grammys a little bit um, into our, our our nergasm after the break or so. But yeah, we, we lost a big one here, guys. It's something that you can't like ever plan for. It's something that's so so unexpected that you wouldn't even think it's real. Like honestly, we all didn't think it was real until more and more confirmed reports start pouring in, and like it just takes a lot out of us um, to lose somebody that big, like Kobe, like Kobe Bryant. Like he was young. He was still. He think he was forty one, and honestly. The more tragic thing is the loss of his daughter, who was 13, or, um, and she had so much promise as a basketball player going into her own leagues and everything. What's going on, Steve? Um, and it's just, it's just a sad thing to know that they're, that they're um, the wife of Kobe Bryant and the mother of his daughter lost both of her hearts in one foul swoop, and... I can only imagine something like that even happening to someone I know, or let alone happening to me. So I, I, I ask of you guys to just kind of give people their time, and as I give people who who are grieving this a little bit of encouragement and a little bit of like, hey, you're here for them or so, because you people usually 
make a make jokes or whatever like oh well you didn't really know him but like honestly this is a person that we grew up with from most of us our childhood on and that's horrible for us to like kind of kind of like deal with at this point because that's the same thing i have happened with me with anthony bourdain happened with a lot of people with with a lot of like celebrity deaths and it's celebrity deaths are weird because you feel like you have known this person your whole life when you've never in fact have met this person but you you have such a connection to him i just want to go ahead and just like say thank kobe for all the people he's inspired and all the things he's done i may have been a kobe hater when he was alive because i was a heat fan but i always admonished and yeah admired and like and appreciated everything he could do. That man was magic on the court. One of the best players to ever step up and lace up his, his shoes, man. And, and love him or hate him or be indifferent about this whole situation. This is a big tragic loss for the culture as a whole. And the community as a whole for anybody, alright? So, uh, it's a little bit of a, little, uh, a little bit of a time to talk about. But, um, I want to go ahead and take a little quick break so we can get into our nerdgasm or so. Um, if there's anything that you guys here on IG want to say, so I am live on Instagram as always. It's because it's Monday and it's 2 p.m. I'm live on Instagram. Thank you guys for who all came in to join me. Um, I want to thank you guys for continually supporting me in this endeavor of doing Instagram every Monday. Um, so, yeah. I'll go ahead and hit you guys up after this musical interlude, all right? Oh. Thank you guys for joining me back here on Bobo's Block, and I want to welcome you again here to our discussion. So today, as I told you, we're going to be talking about diversity. It's a few things that I really wanted to touch on here with with the discussion of diversity. Um, firstly, is just diversity in general in media. So as a nerd, I have always dealt with um, I always dealt with the problem of <laughs> of being a avid supporter of 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 like all superheroes or all all protagonists i would say and all protagonists can vary from time to time sometimes it's a protagonist of color sometimes it's not but there's been so much pushback when it comes to a protagonist of color that it's just very very odd that we have these problems or so um, I'll take even the Birds of Prey kind of um, the Birds of Prey movie that's coming up. I've been seeing a lot of tweets and a lot of um, discussions going on from from like fanboys who are upset because they removed all the sex appeal out of out of Birds of Prey and they they've tried to make it all girl power and Harley Quinn shouldn't be there and 
and they need to do this and that. But honestly, this is the most ambitious version of Birds of Prey that I've seen. And that is very, very telling to see that the the parts of the Birds of Prey that they're worried about are the most irrelevant parts. They wanted to be sexy and they wanted to have them in like loose clad like um fucking outfits and that's un you don't need that for, for like a for a current um superhero movie. Like there's no there shouldn't be any fan service at, at this point. Um diversity when it comes to just like black and brown characters, there's a new <laughs> there's a new um issue I want to say if Superman, I want, yeah, I think it was a Superman that that panel came from, where they had the Hall of Justice filled with all the heroes, and somebody was like, wait a minute, Steel, Green Lantern, John Stewart, and and this like they they called out about like six or seven black heroes, and they were like, they're all in the same place. This is not a real scene. Like this is not a real comic. Like we've never had this many black people in the, <laughs> in one place at one time with it not being a black history um <laughs> with a black history uh, motif or something but it 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 warms my heart to see that there are more and more characters of color such as like America Chavez, Naomi, um such as like uh, uh Sojourner Mullion. Um of course we have the re- resurgence of John Henry Iron Steel. You have um Simon Boz, you have John Stewart, you have um who else was in the room? Vixen was in the room. Oh man, it was a good bit of people. It was Duke Thomas was in the room. It was like a literally cap like it was like a roll call of like all of the black DC heroes at that point. Black Lightning was there. But like um we shouldn't have to feel like that's an oddity. Like there's so many heroes of color that run around in the in the in the DC and Marvel universes on a given point that you shouldn't feel like oh if you see more than one there that hey this is whoa <laughs> this is a, a history making moment like it should be every day man it should really be something that we we get to see on a daily basis because the world is so diverse now and you don't have to look around like oh it's New York or something you look around any city in any town there's so much diversity to be found in this um and and now there's so much diversity that's on our screens from the small to big screens there are more people of color like Hillary Golding um there are more people like Issa Rae and 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 so many others getting lead roles but for some reason the Oscars um, is still completely whitewashed. The the only the only movie of color that I think is in the Oscars are the only people of color who are nominated for the Oscars this year are the pe- are the cast of um, Parasite by by Boon Joon, and he is uh, up for director best director as well. I don't think Parasite is going to sweep as people may think. I think Joker is going to take a lot of movie awards. Irishman is going to take a couple of them. Star Wars is going to get visual effects, um, things like that or whatever. But like, it would be nice if they do at least get Best Picture because none of the cast was nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress, or anything of that nature. So you're going to have to just kind of live with them just getting Best, Best, um, Best Movie or yeah, Best Picture or so. I I hate that we have this problem because we've already stated that the Oscars are so white, and as I said, with the Oscars being so white, like it, we thought that that would kind of like yeah, I wouldn't say like wake them up, but I would just like put a light on this and be like, hey, we need to do a little bit better. And yeah, there there have been a little bit of improvement in the past couple of years since we've 
they made that hashtag Oscar so white, but there also have been setbacks. And right now, this is a major, major setback or step back for the Oscars and the Academy as a, as a whole. Um, there are other award shows as well that have been the same problem. Like it's just been very starch white. And we have to really kind of address these things at, when they come at hand because, hey, like, if we don't say anything about it, they're going to be like, oh, well, shoot, it's cool. And they, they don't really care or whatever. So we have to really sit back and kind of tell ourselves that, hey, we don't, we need to know, <laughs> we need to know where the boundary is and how to address when the boundaries have been crossed. Because there are so many amazing pictures, films, short films, and things like that that get so, get, that always will get overlooked. There's always going to be people who get snubbed or some people who get um, out outvoted in the academy because uncut gems was literally adam sandler's like gift to the academy saying hey i can do this i want a nomination i want a legit nomination and they just they just overlooked it they're like all right that's nice adam cool and like and people have been Literally going to see this movie and goes like, I don't understand how this didn't even get a nod or a nomination or at least something towards the Academy giving it recognition for what it is because this is literally his best work. Um, the movies that are on, that are nominated like Joker, 1917, and and uh, The Irishman and other things of that nature. Yes, they are great movies. They are very um, outstanding cinematic like cinematic. I always want to say cinematic adventures because of fucking Tank Cook. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to say cinematic projects. There are great cinematic projects that have earned their money and earned their 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 accolades as of as of current. Um, but there are others that have been so overlooked and overshadowed that I honestly feel as if like they 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 stick to they stick they're stuck in their stubbornness. To where they don't want to see the the actual art or the actual like validity in some of these films because oh it's this uh, this is a this is a, a a a superhero movie or this is a horror movie or this is a this is not a full on drama and extra extra. Um, existential, blah, 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 like, it, it, it really didn't take all of that, there have been very, very powerful and very moving movies that are, that are not in the drama or romance, um, category, and for some reason, the Academy has always overlooked such things such as horror, and it took, um, Get Out to kind of break those barriers, and even now, the, the next installment of Jordan Peele's universe with the Us film did not even get a nomination, and that was a very good film, in my opinion, and it did get critically acclaimed um, reviews from other people as well, um, but again, it got nothing. It got paid dust. Um, <coughs> Avengers Endgame, like, they're getting visual effects, I want to say. They got a visual effects nomination, but nothing beyond that like that was literally something that they 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 gave a actual look towards when it was infinity war and they also gave a look towards with black panther because they couldn't deny those and i don't i can't i'm not saying that they can't deny endgame as well because they obviously did but there was still the same 
the same precedent set by the, that movie that the other one just did as well. It is literally the highest grossing movie in all the world. Like, it's literally the most grossing movie out of every movie ever made. And, and Avatar was there. Their godsend. And, oh, it's visual. It was artsy and this and that or whatever. But Avatar was just aliens instead of freaking superheroes. That's it. I, I I really never know what the Academy really wants. Or so, and the same goes with Grammys. Like Grammys have their part to play in this as well because they box people into such categories, and they never really let the 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 actual true art of it shine. Um, Billie Eilish, she basically swept the Grammys last uh, last night um, from when this is recorded. This is recorded on Monday. Again, Grammys were there Sunday. Um, she was like, best new artist, best new album, best rest record, and stuff like that. Like, she literally did a sweep. Um, Tyler, the creator, actually got best rap album. And I want to play you guys a clip of what he had to say about that um, from his perspective after, like, he won his award. This is it's kind of really sums it up. It comes. It comes in um, when he was at the pest conference after he he got his Grammy or so. So here, I'm gonna go ahead and play this for you. And then, Ace, can you go and do? You know, in recent days, there's been a lot of news about the voting process at the Grammys. Has any of that affected the way that you're looking at winning this award today? Uh, I'm half and half on it. Um, on one side, I'm very grateful that uh, what I made could just be you know, uh, acknowledged in a world like this. Um, but also it sucks that whenever we, and I mean, guys that look like me do anything that's genre bending or that's anything, they always put it in a rapper urban category, which is, and I don't like that urban word. It's just a politically correct way to say the N word to me. So when I hear that, I'm just like, why can't we just be in pop? Why can't it just, you know what I mean? So, I felt like half of me feels like the, the rap nomination was a backhanded compliment. Like, oh, uh, my little cousin wants to play the game. Let's give him the unplugged controller so he could shut up and feel good about it. That That's what it felt like a bit. But another half of me is very grateful that the art that I made could be acknowledged on a level like this when I don't do the radio stuff. I'm not played in Target. I'm in a whole different world than what a lot of people here listen to. So I'm grateful and like, eh. So yeah, so that was kind of um, a nutshell of everything that we were that we were discussing with the diversity within the Grammys because um, Tyler put out the original like the original project of of Flower Boy, but yeah, when he did Flower Boy, it completely got snubbed. Like they didn't understand what it was doing. Um, when he did Igor this year, he won Best Rap Album, and I think it was kind of like a, a, a like, oh well, we finally get we understand what you're doing with Flower Boy. Here, here's the Best Rap Album, and like I said, it's kind of like a backhanded, black backhanded compliment. But he's happy that he did get it acknowledged and recognized. Like, and that's how we always have to kind of deal with stuff like this. Like, especially with award ceremonies, we we always are happy to to have gotten the award and thank you for the recognition of my art and thank you for the recognition of what I'm doing out in these streets but honestly this was kind of like a like you said like a, oh let's just hand you an unplugged controller it really doesn't do much or so it really doesn't 
come with much afterwards because when when you look at the whole landscape of just say movies and and um and songs and television like the Grammys and Emmys and the Oscars even when you just get nominated it's supposed to update like up, up your status but a lot of people don't really care at this point or like awards are becoming a a very like arbitrary statement or at least to to the fans because the things that they that we the the audience the fans feel that need to have the recognition never get it are the artists that we want to be recognized for putting out like literally one of the best albums or best um projects of that of that year never get either nominated or looked at or or even like i said um a a glance upon the academy um there's so many people that i can name that were left out of the nominations for different pop rock and rap um categories but it doesn't even really matter at this point like it it in their head, they they're they're still winners. In their hearts, they know that they put out the best thing that they could. Cause like um, Billy Eilish beat out the likes of like Lizzo, um, Ari Lennox. She beat out like it, she beat out a lot of girls. And it's 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 funny when you you sit back and look at like the the, the people such as like Rhapsody or or like um or BJH Chicago Kid. You, you don't get to see them on the grand stage of the Grammys picking up the awards and you don't get to see see people like a, like a, like I said a Tyler put into the the appropriate pop genre that they're supposed to be in we've always known that like when you say something like oh urban or or, or this is the the hip-hop award like you're just staying this black this is the the n-word award here you go um, <laughs> and it, and it, it's soul crushing at, at, after a point in time. Yeah. Like I said, again, we still are appreciative and we still are so happy that their art and everything is getting recognized, but it, it's like back to that backhanded compliment, man. It's just hard. It's hard to accept because your, your face still hurts. Um, and lastly, when it comes to diversity, especially with diversity within television, there's always such a reluctance to change and there's such a, a, a outcry from the status quo when things are, are updated, I shall say. So the best example is um, the, this week's previous episode of Doctor Who. The doctor goes to Glasgow and she is trying to save the city from a Jadoon um, perimeter yeah, perimeter cutoff. And, and they're looking for a fugitive. It's literally called the fugitive of the Jadoon. And it turns out to be this <sighs> beautiful black dreaded woman named Ruth. She has a husband named Lee and... We come to discover later on in the series, or later on in the episode, that Lee was actually a companion. And with him being a companion, that makes Ruth nobody else but the Doctor. (sighs) I want to sit back and take a, a moment of recognition for the writing staff and the cast to put this, put this to life and just to think about it, dog, like... The doctor was a black woman. We've always, always, always had this picture of the doctor as this white, 
stoic male, and he he was uh, very grumpy and frumpy, and then he transformed into a whimsical little dude with a flute, and then he did this. Like, he was always a man up until Jody. But we're now learning that there were intermediate or interim transformations that we we didn't get knowledge of um because we first learned about the war doctor that was a time between the eighth doctor and the ninth doctor the war doctor was the one who who kind of tried to stop or he did end the war on gallifrey and he was the reason why we we don't talk about how the Gallifreyans died, or, or at least before him, and now we've saved them or whatever, but just to save them because so the Master would kill them later. It's one of spoilers, but yes. Um, yeah, he saved Gallifrey, and he was not the, the, the ninth Doctor that we knew, but he wasn't the eighth Doctor that we just left. He was something in the middle. But now we've found out that somewhere in her past, she... And I say she because they're both they're both women. <laughs> she went through a regeneration and regenerated into a a persona. Well, not even a persona. She generated into a body, and she went to Earth. And on Earth, she went ahead and tried to hide from the Gallifreyan Council, from the from the Time Lords. Um, and she went by the name of Ruth. She hid her her memories from herself and everything like that. Her her and her companion tried to make a life and things of that nature, and it gave herself false false memories and all of that. But it wouldn't last for long. Um. So yeah, I I I don't know where this will go, but I'm super excited to know that there is a a timeline where the Doctor was a black woman. We've always been asking, when will the doctor be black? When will the doctor be a black person? When will the doctor be a woman? We finally got the woman, and then they doubled down on it, and they were like, we're going to give you a black woman now. How about that? I was, it, it made me fall in love with the show, show's writing all over again, because honestly, they, they, they're pushing boundaries, and, they, and everyone wanted them to the, oh, just give us the old enemies that we wanted to know, and we did. We were fighting the Jadoon, who was a known old-school enemy of the Doctor. And they also gave a, a nod to the Cybermen. There was going to be a, a big build-up to the lone Cybermen. And he doesn't want... And we had a, a appearance from Captain Jack Harkness. Oh my god, I almost forgot about that. It's such an amazing thing to see how, how, many, how things stay the same within Doctor Who but they are wildly evolved and they changed on such a such a grand scale that you kind of have to like give yourself a little moment to process and like oh it was so beautiful to see how she went from like this this person who kind of didn't know what was going on she was just living a mundane life she was a tour guide and she 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 interacted with aliens and then all of a sudden she started becoming a badass and every version of the doctor that we never knew about has always been a badass when it comes down to the war doctor and now as she called herself ruth when she was down there but the doctor is the doctor no matter what time period what what universe or what planet he or she is on it's going to be a blast to learn more about about the time where she became ruth because we established that she's a past regeneration because she didn't remember 13 at all. 
And with her not remembering 13, so that means that 13 has to either figure out why she was wiped from her memory or what happened beforehand or so. So they have already confirmed that it is the doctor. It's not somebody impersonating the doctor, not somebody with the doctor's memories or essence. This is the doctor. It's the same person genetically. It's the same person. Um, there will always be people who are going to be like, oh, this is going to be terrible for the franchise, and I don't want to watch anymore, and this is stupid, and you guys are too woke, and it's not being woke, it's just being creative with, with the with the resources that you have. The doctor can be anyone. Why is it so difficult to think that they're going, that is that the doctor cannot have regenerated as an African, as an African well, a person of African descent. I always want to say African American because I'm African American, but they're in London. Yeah, they, they, they regenerate as a person of African descent or somebody of the diaspora. Or it could even be someone who was Pakistani or somebody who was who was um, Iraqi or somebody who was who was Turkish or somebody who was Irish or somebody who was a ginger. Please make him a ginger. That's all the doctor asks for. Our, our fears. I don't know, man. But yeah. Being a part of the Doctor Who franchise has always been one thing that we never were able to see ourselves in the Doctor. But now, that that one episode changes the entire landscape of everything. Everyone can see themselves in the eye of the Doctor now. Everyone can see that, hey, I can be the Doctor no matter what you say, no matter what you think. The Doctor can regenerate and look like anybody. He can look like me. He can look like my aunt. He can look like my 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 favorite old coworker, hottest. He can look like um, my friend Ashley. He can look like my homie Trevor. Is anybody is fair game to be the doctor at this point? And I'm loving that that ability of 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 just like twist or that flexibility they have with this writing now. And now we we wait. We sit back and we try to discover more and more about the Black Doctor, or Ruth, as she's called, or as of, as of the moment. And we try to learn about the Gallifreyan Council that is chasing Ruth. And I think this is probably between one and two, where she is, um, where she is born. Um, the Doctor can go back to any point in time where she can, she can go to any any planet that she wants to. So. Yeah, between one and two would probably be the best, um, best guess I would say for when she is being chased by the Gallifreyan Council, when she can kind of escape, and she has the TARDIS with her. So yeah, and I think that was kind of like the old school setup anyway as well. So I'm excited about this new Doctor, and I'm excited about what 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 stories we can bring from it because every Doctor gets their own short stories or their own novel or their own comic book or whatever. So. Give me some Ruth content, please. Oh, please. <sighs> so, yeah. I think now kind of I'll do it for the show today, guys. I do want to thank you again for joining me here on Bobo's Block. And I do want to thank everybody who joined me on Instagram Live. Again, if you want to find me on Join the Conversation, we're doing this Mondays at 2 p.m. on my Instagram, at BoboFNN. And you can also find me on Twitter, at BoboFNN. You can find me on Facebook, at Your Friendly Neighborhood Nerd, the Bobo. Find me on YouTube, at Your Friendly Neighborhood Nerd, Bobo. Um... Shoutouts to everybody who sits there and supports me, everybody who's, who writes in, everybody who listens, everybody who gives me words of encouragement. I thank you so very much for every little thing that I've, that I've accomplished and every little thing I've been able to, to pull off. So, um, 
Like I told you, keep your ears out for what we have coming up next on the block. Coming up next around the city. I have been your friendly neighbor, Nerds Bobo. Go ahead and check out my patreon.com forward slash Bobo where you can find my campaign. That's patreon.com forward slash B-O-B-B-O. You have tiers from about a dollar to $35 and even a tier up to $3,000 where you can actually marry me. So, um, I will catch you guys next week and we will kick it here right on the block. All right? Peace.